We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. It is the Doster, T.O. and Phantom Podcast. It is Monday morning, January 30th, 11, 12 a.m. Eastern Time, the only legitimate times. And we are coming off of a wild, uh, I guess it was Championship Sunday in the NFL, right? It was a wild college basketball weekend. And normally, I build out this whole rundown. I write down all these things that I want to talk about, and I send it to these guys on Sunday night before we record. Literally, the only thing I have written down on the rundown today is Make sure that you plug the Field of 68 Daily. So if you haven't subscribed to that, go do it. Make sure that you check out the merch store that we have, fieldof68.shop. Go do it. And make sure that you listen to us 11 p.m. every night, the rest of the season, streaming on YouTube, streaming on SiriusXM Channel 84, streaming on our Twitter channels, uh, Field of 68 After Dark. We set records for the numbers of listeners that we had uh this weekend because it was an insane college basketball weekend guys that's all i have we can go wherever you want to go with this so much happened over the course of the last what was it 48 hours in college basketball so much happened fanta before we get into anything else i'm just going to give you a little shout out your call on the game-winning shot for georgetown and st john's was uh was pretty good and got me fired up about as fired up as you could possibly be for a game between georgetown and St. John's in the year of our Lord, 2023. Fellas, say, what's going 30 years on, ago. man? We're back. 30 years ago, that would have been a that would have been the game. Yeah, 30 years ago, Fanta's not getting that game. No. <laughs> no. Now, you know what? Walking into the building on a Sunday afternoon, I was in line to, to get in at the garden, you know, the downstairs area, both of you. And everybody's talking, security's talking, media are talking, and and they're all like, oh, let's see what we see today. Uh, all right, here we go again. And uh, <laughs> I I did I did look at a bunch of guys. I'm like, you know what? I said, uh, and a glimmer came out of my eye. I said, you never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to see. It's the garden, baby. When Spike Lee walked in and sat courtside, I said, you know what? Game on. 
Let's play some basketball. That's the beauty of college basketball, fellas. That's what college basketball represents. Because in, I'm just saying, in college football, had a game comparable to this been played, even a game-winning touchdown pass would not have resonated really with many people at all. Like It would have been funny to see, but it wouldn't have resonated much at all. In college basketball, buzzer beaters are always fun. No matter who's doing it, how it's happening, they just they create this feeling in you. When you watch a buzzer beater, you're like, man, like that's that's big time, regardless of who hits it. So it's a great moment for AJ Store. But I love this time of year because especially this year, there's just so much wide openness, guys. Mm -hmm. There's just everything's wide open. You think you know everything. You clearly we don't. We don't. I mean, we thought we we thought Alabama was the best team in America, and there's probably still an argument that they could be or whatever. But at least on this Monday, this is the first time, in my opinion, where everybody can be saying this today. Everybody, Purdue is the undisputed number one team in college basketball. End your arguments. And your counters right now, today, they deserve that title as number one. And if you are arguing for someone else, you're being stubborn. Correct. That's all you got. That's all you got for me, T.O. Correct. All right. Look. All right. So let's let's turn this thing forward. I I agree with you on that one, Fanta. Um, I want to ask you. Hey, 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 hey! It hit me. Something hit me. Hey, what did we say last week when we recorded this show? that Kansas had lost three in a row. Was it this show or was it after dark on Tuesday? Kansas had lost three in a row. And I was like, guys, if there's ever a time to buy low, it's right now. Mm -hmm. Because they get a day off. They get to gather themselves together. Bill Self gets to put his paws on him. Gets to put his his paws on him. And all of a sudden, they show up at Rupp Arena and get a win. And – Kansas is still really good, guys. I thought that Kansas State lost, what was it, a week and a half ago? I thought it lost them twice. And because they lost that one in emotional overtime, then they play TCU, who's just a wrecking ball, and it gets going, and then one thing happens, and it snowballs. Uh, but this Kansas team's still really good. Uh, you can expect that to continue. Uh, so let, let me ask you this, T.O. In a, in a weekend where Alabama loses by 24, in a weekend where Tennessee drubs the team that was the best team in the Big 12 by the metrics, by the rankings, by everything in Texas, in a weekend where um, where we see Zach Eady go for 38 and 13 and kind of solidify himself as the uh, no-question player of the year, I don't know, that might be over. Matt Norlander claimed that it's over. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but he's the, the, the very clear front-runner. Um, in a weekend where it seems like everybody is now on the same page with Purdue being the best team in the country, are, is your what's your biggest takeaway? Are you saying that Kansas going into Kentucky and getting that win is that the biggest um, biggest storyline for you? Like, is that the biggest? The, the Kansas the Kansas is still there. That that's a huge storyline. I, I think the big storyline though is uh, Zach Eady combining points and rebounds for fifty one of them against the Michigan <laughs> State team, like known for toughness and. Fanta, you had such a good line last night about his uh, – he's a generational type of guy. Like, they've had Isaac Haas. They've had some other seven-footers. And it's just – he is – quite frankly, guys, he's pretty incredible. Just be, the fact that how much he's improved from year one to this season uh, in a Purdue uniform, like, he's moving so well. He's so strong. He knows how to play. And those passes he made against uh, Michigan State 
Like he's putting them on a dime. And if he's able to do that, guys, I, I can't figure out a way to guard him. That's the biggest thing when you look at this Purdue team. Like, do you play Zach Eady one-on-one, let him get 50, and then hope everybody else stinks? I'm almost to a point where it's like, well, maybe. Like, I don't know how you approach guarding Zach Eady at this point. Yeah, I, you don't. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> That's right. You, you so you hope you, you hope you get everybody else and then do what Rutgers did and just pressure the heck out of their guards. Yeah, you, you're talking about weekend takeaways. So I'll be contrary. I thought Kansas would be Kentucky. I think a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't surprise us. That money line plus no. 35 was quite tasty. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bet Rivers. Quite- I needed that payout. I lost it all, all right. on uh, 49ers money line, but that's a different story. <laughs> I have some questions for you about that. Yeah, I was um, about to say, you got a lot of faith in that quarterback play. Well, and he lives in an area that he could really get criticized for that belief. Well, here, here's the here, here's House the side plot. Yeah, I'm I'm a 49ers fan. My, uh, my son has been waffling on whether or not he wants to be an Eagles fan or a 49ers fan. Uh, well, it's last, settled. Last Monday, right, was <laughs> Chinese New Year. And what they did for like the their school spirit thing was everybody had to wear red. So I put them in a George Kittle jersey going oh. to school in South Jersey, specifically because he couldn't make up his mind. And I was like, if you're you're going to make up your mind now, we're going to find out what what who do you want to be a fan of? So he goes to school that morning. He comes home. He gets off the bus. He goes, Dad, can I get a Jalen Hurts jersey? I was like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that night we ordered a Jalen Hurts jersey on Amazon. And uh, and now he is all in on being the Eagles. Like he's got all his, him and all his little buddies, like in the neighborhood. He got all. ridiculed from eight a.m. to three thirty. Yeah. Well, the, well, now we know what he wants to be. So there he figured go. it out. He wants to be an Eagles fan, which I honestly like. I'm fine with. I, I I'm curious your take on this, guys, because there's a there's a lot of people that will tell you like you oh, you got to have your son root for who you root for. It's like uh, this is uh, that there's no loyalty here. Like you're not a true fan. Well, I think it's more important to have your son be able to have his little crew. Right, be able to go watch games with his friends, be into it. That's oh, the whole yeah. point. Of, that's the whole point of being a fan, right? It's to be able to experience it with your friends. So yeah, I'm yes. fine. like whatever he wants, as long as he roots for UConn, no villain over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my weekend takeaway, guys. Like because to me, Kansas beating Kentucky doesn't mean Kansas is back. If you stop believing in Kansas, I don't understand why. They went through a tough patch in the best conference in college basketball. And look, they they got their butts beat by TCU on their home court, but they faced some very, very difficult road atmospheres. My takeaway is the Oklahoma win over Alabama. I mean, Grant Sherfield was absolutely outstanding in this game. He goes for 30 points. He has had some big-time performances. Porter Moser got a good one in him. 93-69. to 69. As you're checking scores on Saturday afternoon, as you're checking in on games, your eyes would have continually gotten bigger as the day went on there of, oh, my God, Oklahoma's up. Oh, this is going to be a blowout. Oh, my, the fight is over. Stop the game. That's the kind of game it was. I would have never thought Alabama would lose a game in that fashion to a team like Oklahoma. But on Saturday... Oklahoma got a win that is as precious of a piece of gold come Selection Sunday as you could possess. And you know how Selection Sunday night, we're always talking about who made it, who didn't. 
There's very much a possibility that Oklahoma is still sort of bubbly. They are 12 and 9. But if they are hanging around the bubble, I will eat my shirt if that team doesn't get into the field. You know why? The committee has the best form of argument they could make, and that is that Oklahoma beat the brakes off of Alabama by 24 points. And when you can say that, when you're presenting a case, it is going to be close to impossible to deny a team that's in the bubble conversation that just beat the doors off Alabama and held Brandon Miller to just four made shots. Oklahoma's the team of the weekend. Can we can we just talk about this for a second? What just happened? We need we need to discuss what just happened on the show. Yeah, John what? Fanta just said that he will eat his shirt if a team yeah. that is ranked 56 in the net with a two and six record in the toughest conference in college basketball. Hey, biggest takeaway to make help. the NCAA tournament. I just want I'm just we're 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 putting that on the record. John Fanta may need to eat a shirt. Do you like your shirt? Is it smoked? Do you want to have it like kind of sear with Medium a little bit of olive oil? Medium rare. All Medium right, rare. <laughs> but wouldn't you agree, Tio, if they're hanging around the bubble, they'll probably get in because they have this win and others don't? That mm-hmm. one will help. Plus, they play in the toughest conference in college basketball. Here's That's my too. biggest takeaway, because I'm glad you brought up the word net. What an absolute disaster <laughs> that metric is. An absolute freaking disaster I'm is the net. Crumble it up. Throw it in the campfire. Burn it. Just burn it. Get rid of it. They won't even disclose how this works. I've never seen teams will win games and drop four spots. What the hell are we doing? What are we doing? I nobody knows the formula. Help me find out the formula. Help me find out the formula. Nobody well, the, knows. The reason they don't don't want to give out the formula is people because they're a bunch the of blowhards. Well, if they no. want to freaking find out, like if they want people to understand, like oh why kids this? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Well, what happened is they get when once people figured out the formula for the RPI, they figured out how to be blowhards able to game the tech. RPI. So you could you could put together a, a a schedule that was rigged to give you a really good RPI metric, right? And that's part of why they're not trying to put out the exactly what the net score is. Um, a lot of it has to do with like what other teams are doing, the teams that you've beaten, what have they done? Is someone that you lost to take another really bad loss? It's things like that. I don't know. I also think that the numbers are just so close that um, that you can't really look at it from like, oh, we went from 55th to 58th, right? You got to look at it as like, we're kind of in that 50s. We're in the four, like, you know what I mean? Like they're just, the, the values are so close that jumping over each other at that, that point doesn't really make much sense. Um, but yeah, I hear you. It's It's weird how, uh, stuff like that kind of happens um, in the net. I want to ask you guys this. No, can I ask a question real quick? Because now I'm self-conscious. Blowhard isn't a bad word. No. Okay. Fanta just teed me up. I didn't know if like I got a technical foul or what. That's not a bad word. I, got a, I didn't Andrews. know if there was some kind of regional situation here, like <laughs> tears and tires. <laughs> just no, want to make sure I didn't curse at somebody by accident. It came down from Indianapolis. You got a technical from the association. Oh, that's yep. fine. Yeah, Tell them to call going- me. Hey, big takeaway, big takeaway. You know who can coach his butt off? Absolutely coach. Carmen Massarello can coach his butt off up at Siena. I had the pleasure of doing their game against Iona. And man, I thought he was awesome. To see some of the stuff he's put in up there at Siena, I know that's a Mac school and all that. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. People in Albany love Siena Hoop. There were 7,800 people at that game. Yeah, they they sell that building out. They absolutely sell that building out. It is an awesome, awesome place to watch basketball. 
And that that was my first game with the the what was it the mothership? And dude, it, it worked out about as perfectly as it could. And, and congratulations but, to you. Yeah, thank you for that. But Carmen, uh, man, that dude can coach. And how personable is that guy? I mean, he was great. So many good storylines up there. But Sienna basketball, like that, is a situation. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yep. yep. Um. All right. So I want to ask you this, To We we talked a little bit about Alabama losing. Uh. Tennessee smacked around Texas. They are currently ranked number one in the net. I'm assuming they're probably going to be ranked number two um, in the AP poll when that comes out today. They're number. Wait a one minute, on Houston's one. Houston's one in the net. I meant I meant number one on Kempom. Um, yeah, Tennessee's one in Kempom. Yeah, regardless of what it is, they're one, two. They're they're they're. Uh, if you, no matter where you look, they're going to be one of the top two teams in America, right? We've been on here before, and we've said that we're worried about this Tennessee team. I said it on Saturday yeah. night. I'm worried about the fact that the there isn't really a go-to guy. They're great yeah. defensively. I think that things changed a little bit since they've gone to the smaller lineup and been able to space the floor. Um, where do you stand, T.O.? Tennessee, Alabama, who's the best team in that conference? I know Alabama hasn't been playing their best. Looks like Tennessee's really kind of figured this thing out, and they're, they're kind of rolling. Uh, is – do you have a take? Do you have a side? Or are they just two great teams? It's a two-horse race. It's a two-horse race. And the thing with basketball, and, and we've said it, but I think we said it last week, like it's not football. Like you can catch a bad night where five dudes just don't have it. So it's like it's hard to penalize what, you know, Alabama going to play at Oklahoma and getting their brains beat in. Like they just didn't have it. And then the other team had their absolute best game of the season. Like, so there's something to be said there. I, I just think this Tennessee team, because they're so freaking big, and if they're figuring out some things offensively, my man Julian Phillips needs to touch the ball a lot more. Still, still needs to touch the ball a lot more. Uh, but it's the fact that Tennessee has different guys that can get hot. Like Olivier Namaka, like he had a uh, – Camwa, excuse me, Namaka. There's a, I played against uh, <laughs> Olivier Namaka in Sweden. Olivier Camwa. Like, you need to – like, they have a lot of different guys that can beat you on a given night. I'm I'm worried about them a little bit. I'm really? worried about Still? them. Every time, every time I buy into Tennessee, the bottom falls out. Every time well, I sit buying. here – over the course of the last, like, five years, ever since Rick Barnes got there, as soon as I start believing in Tennessee, the bottom falls out of it. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm mostly – like, I, I think that they're very, very good. What I'm yes. concerned about is – what happens when you get in a close game um, and you need a bucket, right? Maybe you're not getting things out of. Uh... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We said I was on a 
Ain't no telephone bills. <laughs> You're just gonna. You did what any Tennessee fan would do as they're listening to Rob. They would just turn it on louder. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just there. Who are you giving the ball to in a big moment? Right? Is it Kai Ziegler who's five foot nine? Is it Santi Vescovi who uh, is about as quick as I am these days? No uh, kidding. I think I think Julian Phillips. I know you love him, To. But either he's not ready, or Rick Barnes does not believe he's ready, or whatever it's, it's it is. the second one. It's the second one. Okay, it's Rick doesn't believe he's ready, yeah. but at the same time, the dude gets to the foul line and he yeah. can knock down shots, and he's quick enough to get people on his hip. That's t- that is that is my concern. the 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 one thing that makes me feel good about them moving forward is that they've gone to the smaller lineup, which means there's more driving lanes, which means Com was at the five, which means that you're able to space the floor a little bit more, and and. Things get a little bit easier offensively when you don't have that big fella, Euros Plavšić, standing in the paint, blocking everything up. So that's a good thing, but it's still like, who's their NBA guy? Who's their pro? Who's their go-to guy? Who are you sitting? Julian. There? Well, I mean, we'll see. You you might be right, but we'll see. Like he's he hasn't done it so far this year, so that's my biggest question. If you don't have a Let stud, if you don't have question. an NBA guy, like. By the Let way, me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. I got a question. Who do you like more upside-wise in March? Tennessee or Creighton? Creighton. Creighton. Upside-wise because it's so much offensive potential. But I like I love the consistency of how Tennessee is going to go about it. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. And those dudes defend. I, okay. I, it's Creighton to me. Like, no questions. All right. No questions. Well, let's turn to – let's turn – to them because they made a huge statement on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They beat a Xavier team that had won 13 of its last 14 games, and they beat them by 17. They held Sule boom to one made field goal. One. Oh, wow. Ryan Nemhard was outstanding in this game. He had close to a triple-double. Ark Kaluma did his thing. Ryan Kalkbrenner We've talked about how much of a difference he made, but all five starters were in double figures, guys. I mean, this team, to me, they're seven and three in the Big East. They're they're in the title chase as well because they're just so hard to beat in Omaha. And there's three teams at nine and two, and I'm putting them in that title chase. But mm-hmm. I think Creighton is a lot closer now to what we thought that they were going to be back in November. They are one dangerous, dangerous team. And I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Greg McDermott's guiding Creighton to four of nine Big East tournament title games. He's lost all four of them. This is the year to me. It always feels like destiny that week at the Garden where it only fe- it feels right. Creighton's going to get that first Big East tournament championship. They're going to this year, and it's going to be the, oh, my gosh, what a story. They lost six in a row at one point, and now they're conference champions. But it really shouldn't be that surprising. It was the Kalkbrenner illness and a couple of other contributing factors but you, you you don't bet against Greg McDermott. His teams get better as the year goes on. Yeah, this this is why they're the best team in the league um, and why they're the team that I feel the best about in March in the Big East. They can win games multiple different ways, right? That's they can right. get hot offensively. They have guys like Arthur Kaluma and Trey Alexander and Ryan Nemhart, even Baylor Scheinman. All those guys can go for 20-25 on any given night, depending on how things kind of break down. They have guys that can make shots. Um, yeah, they also have the best defensive player, uh, 
or the best defensive big man in the conference. When you have an yeah. anchor like Kalkbrenner in and around the basket who doesn't foul, right? Who just gets in the way, it, it just it changes things. And I think what we saw with Xavier was that their weakness is the nights when they're not making shots, and there's going to be nights when you don't make shots, right? That's just the nature yeah. of basketball. The nights when they're not making shots, I don't know how they win a game. If they can't put up 90, 95 points, I don't know how conversely, they win. Conversely, I agree. when Tennessee's not making shots, you know that they can keep it in the 50s. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. Don't 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 sell the balls. Don't sell the balls because you know sell, what you're I'm getting. not selling the balls. I'm, I'm not. Oh, selling. Okay. I, I okay, said I think that they're like sure. a. I think they're they're very very clearly to me one of the top five to six teams in the country. Oh God, here we go. And YouTube claims it, but now we can't make the money off of it. There you go. <laughs> um, sorry. Hey, speaking of Big East, sorry sorry to interrupt. Speaking of Big East, uh, Olu Namaka played at Marquette from '98 to 2002. So I'm not crazy. I I, I messed that up, but yeah. Sorry. You are all over the place. Dude, I'm, I'm a disaster waiting to happen right now. I'm just a car wreck. This is what happens when Doster doesn't send a rundown. <laughs> You're getting a crash course in ADD. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's the last time the that thing. this is ever going to happen. Last From now on, you're going to get a detailed rundown. Tio, you're allowed to talk about this, 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 and this. <laughs> you got to put me in boxes. Rob, you you got to put me in boxes. Rob, your argument on Creighton works really well with the pro thing because – our Kaluma on his best day is a guy that's going to get significant looks. Mm -hmm. uh, he just had to figure some things out, but he was trying to do too much earlier in the season. And Trey Alexander's a really dynamic talent. I mean, and, and then they have point guard play. Nemhard goes, Nemhard is a really good rebounder. And that mm -hmm. might surprise people for a guy his size. He's had multiple double doubles this year. He had 11 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists on Saturday, eight assists. And guys, Kalkbrenner is very deserving of Big East Defensive Player of the Year again. He's already won it once. Yep. But not only is he great defensively, he's shooting over 70% from the from the floor. Now, you might say, well, a lot of those are dunks. All right. I don't really care. He was 8-9 on Saturday. Yeah. The guy, any time he gets – look, the point is, Kalkbrenner, he's not just their most important piece. I would argue that he is one of the most 15 valuable players. Yeah. 15 to 20 valuable players in the sport nationally. Mm -hmm. I'd put him in the top 10 just because it's proven. That? Yeah, I'd put it like most important players to their team. Cockburn is up there. Simply, dude, we've seen the proofs in the pudding. That's what my high school coach used to say. Proofs in the pudding. Like, look what they did without him. It was a disaster without him. Yeah. So now, like in it, the way they guard defensively, if they don't have him in the middle, like it's a problem. So you know, yeah. I, I'm so with you. you. Think, so they're seven and three, and then you've got Xavier, Marquette, Providence, all at nine and two. Who's gonna win this regular season? Man, is it gonna be fun? It, it, no one, no one's gonna win it outright. It's gonna end up being there's like two or three teams tied at sixteen and four, fifteen and five. So wow, like that. that's what it's gonna end up being. I don't think there's gonna be an outright winner, and if there is, it's gonna be by like one game. This is gonna be the wildest race. I said it the other day. I think that the the race for a conference title in the Big East is gonna be the most exciting race, and the place that you want to be for championship week, no question about it, Madison Square Garden. No doubt Again. in my mind. That's going to be the best uh, the best conference tournament because you're going to have the best semifinals no matter who it ends up being um, and no matter well, who finds a way it, to get there. Because think about it, like 
Villanova has Justin Moore back now. Right? Exactly. And he was not he was not great on Sunday. Uh, he looked like a guy who had just come off an Achilles tear. But you give him two, three, four weeks to kind of get back up to speed, get into game shape, get his legs underneath him, kind of get that uh, exactly. You know the 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 touch back on his uh, when he's trying to handle the ball. Like, yeah. If you're going to you tell how, me how, how much more calm everybody on Villanova's roster was whenever they were on the floor, when he was on the floor, mm-hmm. like it was amazing, and he was like trying to sprint up and down the the floor, like, and you could tell like he's scared to pull the trigger. Yep. Like he's still scared to like really push off. Really yeah. push off. So and they don't they don't really have they don't really have the depth that you're gonna need. Creighton doesn't really have depth either. You know, I think we've seen in recent games UConn doesn't have a ton of depth. It's not like you have like Xavier only really started having a, a sixth and seventh man when Jerome Hunter woke up in the last couple of weeks. So if you can give me a healthy Justin Moore with Caleb Daniels, Cam Whitmore, Eric Dixon, and Brandon Slater. With Mark Armstrong and Jordan Longino coming off the bench, like that is a team. Sounds like are, a Final Four team. Sounds like a, a Final Four team. You do because not it was wanna, a Final Four team. You do not want to play that team in March once they get going. Like I, I think the the possibility of getting an at large bid is probably gone from Villanova at this point. Like yes. they more they they probably need to. They have Creighton on the road next. I'm sorry. They have Marquette on the road next, and Creighton on the road next. Um, <laughs> and then they Oof. still have to play at Providence. And at Xavier, and they get Creighton at home, and you like their schedule is backloaded. So yes. if they win out, or if they win, go like nine and two in these last eleven games that they play, like there's still a possibility that they happening. can put enough good wins. But that's that's a huge, huge ask. So I think that the possibility of an at-large bid is gone. But if you're going to tell me you're going to take a Villanova team with a bunch of dudes that have had success in March and put them in the Garden and let them go and see if they can go win a title, like how? How fitting would it be to have a Big East tournament title game, Villanova, the program that has all this pedigree, won all these titles, trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament, going up against Creighton, the program that has the new Big East piece that has never won the Big East tournament title. It would be something. All I the narratives, not- Fanta, all the narratives right there, just colliding, just colliding, like the ADD and Teal's brain. My uh, all the narratives. <laughs> My pick would probably be Creighton and Providence. I think uh, they those two coaches met in year one of the reconfigured league when Doug McDermott led Creighton and and Bryce Cotton and Ladante Hen led Providence and Providence found a way to win. I think now in year ten they're the elder statesmen in the league. That could happen. I mean I, I'm I'm really guys after watching Providence the first six seven weeks of the season and then watching them now it's amazing how they've come off a Sweet 16 season and have welcomed in a new cast on the show. And Ed Cooley just basically, he finds a way to evolve his group and work to the strengths. In the last two years now, in the last two years, this isn't luck, it's just results. Providence College is 44-11. and 11. Yeah. They're 44 and 11 in their last two years. That's it. Seems, seems awful lucky to me. Seems awful That's lucky to me. Make sure you check out field of 68.shop and get yourself a Friars t shirt. <laughs> I was wearing it last night. Yeah, no, it seems awful lucky to me, Fanta. You got to lean all the way into it, baby. We've got to sell some t shirts over here. Hell yeah. 80% clip that they've won at. Call your boy Steve. Call your boy Steve. Because when I watch those guys, I'm not going to say his last name this time. <laughs> when I watch those guys at the beginning of the year, I was like, man, these is Providence could very well be the deepest team in the conference. Cause all of a sudden, like he's got Corey Floyd out there. who wasn't playing at the beginning of the year, playing big minutes yesterday at Villanova. 
and in incredibly important minutes during that game. Like Providence is the deepest team in that league right now. And then you throw in the fact that like at the beginning of the year, he was picking and choosing lineups and you could see like, well, I'm not sure this works together, but let's just see what happens against Stonehill. So we'll throw that lineup out there. I'll put Devin Carter over there. We'll play him at some of the four and Bryce. Like we'll just dabble and change some things up. Now he's picked the right, right recipe for this team and they are rolling then they are very good very good yeah, and jared bynum's back too the when back. they went through that little lull right and they lost those two games to marquette and xavier which by the way like no no shame in losing games to marquette and xavier uh it was when jared bynum was hurt he had missed what was it four games played 11 minutes uh the other night came off the bench 24 minutes 19 points three or four from three five assists that according to my sources is a pretty good game uh to put together on the road against Villanova so uh yeah I, I mean the the top four in that league is just it's just fucking stupid good yeah top four teams yeah. in that conference they're just very good, good. Is very it, let good. me ask you this best top four in America best top four teams the I think the big only 12. one that you can ever have a real conversation with is the big 12 right probably the big 12 would have the best top four because you got Kansas State Kansas, mm-hmm. Texas, and Iowa State. And if it's not one of those four, it's Baylor. Or Baylor or TCU. Come on. Come on. Yeah, it's Big 12. Big 12. I don't know. I can't wait to have the I, argument I, at the I end of the year. And everybody's like, Big 12 just beat up on each other all season. Can't wait to have that. Well, they, I mean, they I all. I mean, if top five, if, if UConn could get their stuff together here. They, look, look at the, here, look at it. What's like going this. on with UConn, Rob? Please, please. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my UConn take in one second. But listen, so. The bottom four teams in the Big 12, Texas Tech won on the road at LSU. Oklahoma beat Alabama, leading the SEC by 24 <laughs> points. Vir- West Virginia beat yeah. number 15 Auburn. Oklahoma even State. Even mind, they're Ole tied Miss- for eight. I don't even know what the final score was in that Ole Miss uh, Oklahoma State game, but when I saw it on the bottom line, I didn't bother watching it because who wants to watch that? But when I saw it on the bottom line, <laughs> Oklahoma State was up by 23. So I don't know what the final score was, but Oklahoma State kicked their ass. Bottom score 82 to 60. 82 to 60. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to a little. That's yep. a lot to a little. So the bottom four teams in the Big 12 beat up on the teams in the SEC. So, like, yes, it's going to be a narrative. Yes, it's going to be annoying to talk about. And like, yes, it's also kind of true. Except for Texas Tech. They just suck. Anyway, you want my UConn take? Because I got a UConn take. People I, I honestly Lubbock. people I, of Lubbock. People of Lubbock. Lubbock. People of Lubbock want uh Mark Adams gone. I can <laughs> I should show you some of the DMs that I got. I don't think I can put them uh, out there publicly yet, but I'll show you guys maybe after the show. Heard some fascinating stories about tales of Lubbock over tales, the past month. Tales, tales of Lubbock. Um <laughs> all right. So my uh my the the short version of my take on Yukon is that I right now I feel better about them than I have at any point in the last month. And you guys can, I, I, I'm not going to show the text messages that I send these guys whenever UConn is playing, but I've, I've been very anti, I've been very down on the Huskies recently. And the change that they made against Xavier in the second half was switching Andre Jackson to the four spot, right? And basically what they started using him as is the screener. Instead of being the guy that is at the at the top of the key, making the pass into Adama Sanogo, the guy that's trying to make the pass to Jordan Hawkins coming off of the, the the down screen, being the guy that's buried in the corner while they run this action that includes Alex Caravan. They use him specifically as the screener, um, whether it's the, the giving the ball in a dribble handoff, whether it's being the front guy uh, when they run those staggers for Jordan Hawkins. And what that does is it engages his defender. The issues that they had was that there's two things that are that you can do. 
One, you can attack Alex Caravan on the defensive end of the floor, which is not something that's going to end up going away. And two is that you don't have to guard Andre Jackson. When you use him as a screener, it engages that defender and it makes you have to play five on five defensively instead of four on five, right? And so now they have six days from Xavier to DePaul on Tuesday. Then they get Georgetown on Saturday. So they basically have two weeks with two extremely winnable games that if you can't win, then we have to have a very different conversation. But they figured out the tweak to kind of make it so that you can have Andre Jackson on the floor and also keep him there defensively. Because over the course of the last month, they've been outside the top 50 in defensive efficiency. Part of that is because they can't keep Andre Jackson on the floor because you don't have to guard him. You can't have, and when you don't have him on the floor defensively, it changes everything you do defensively because he's just such an impactful defender. So that's why I feel bullish on him. Hopefully over the course of these next two weeks, UConn can, can see what happened in that second half, find an answer, make it work moving forward. So we'll see if that ends up happening. It's all kind of projection at this point, but it's the first time in a month that I've actually felt confident about where that program is heading. Um, We didn't talk very much about Kentucky and Kansas. We kind of teased it. It was the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, I think that we all kind of knew what to expect from Kansas, right? Like the shot making down the stretch, Jalen Wilson hit two huge ones. Grady Dick had a monster three. Dewan Harris at the beginning of the game, um, hitting a couple jumpers, forcing John Calipari to guard him. Fanta. Uh, are you still in on Kentucky though? I, that, that's that's where it gets kind of interesting to me because they're still using the same lineup. It looked like they found some answers, but there were, you know, Jacob Toppin made some really bad decisions down the stretch. There was uh, CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves combined 0 for 8 from 3. Where where do you stand on Kentucky as we kind of move forward and look forward to the season? A team that can win an NCAA tournament game if they make the second week, and I'd be surprised. I think they are, again, they're going to have an immense amount of pressure going into that first round game. But I do think that they have enough to win that game. It's going to be, they are a matchup dependent team. That's the issue with them. They have found some things. They are still a bad perimeter shooting team against good competition. That's problematic because if here's the deal with them, there's a mental factor here because yes, they've found that lineup that five, some, has been solid. Like, they went from, oh no, putrid offense, to being solid. You know, I, I wouldn't call it outstanding. I think it's been solid, good, quality. But I, I, I think with Kentucky, the problem is they end up really being a, you're almost a victim of your own fame because this team is is not what uh, the the brand says. They just aren't and haven't been for a little bit. So whoever is getting them now and whoever is getting them in the NCAA tournament should not be upset. They should be jumping for joy. But I do think the psychological dimension of the first round game is going to be interesting. You know why? Hal is great great at, at being that CEO, delivering the quote or whatnot. I do wonder, fellas, Kentucky is going to have the most pressure put on themselves ahead of that first round NCAA tournament game. Is there going to be a game that's more watched in the first round of the tournament than that one? I know at least for me, like I got to watch that game. I've got to see if they can win the game and move on. I think we all do. You're you're just trying to fire John Calipari as soon as it ends. So you can take your little victory. Well, I think, (laughs) I think everybody, I think everybody's going to try to do that. But I think I wonder T.O., if 
Cal uses it as a fire for his team of saying, nobody expects us to win. Do you think they put a video up of Tyler Hansborough on screen? Yeah. And it just says, he's done a horrible job. (laughs) (laughs) When he said that, I was on the show with him. I was like, oh, no, this is going to blow up. This is going to absolutely shoot to the moon. Uh, No, Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, I would. But, guys, nobody believes in you. Like nobody believes in you, but what I, here's the thing too, like Kentucky's not a bad team. They're just not top five in the country. Like they're, they're at the NCAA they're not tournament. Top 10 either. Yeah, they're not, they're not, but they're not, they're not all, they're not on the bubble. They're going to the tournament. Like that's the well, crazy they're, thing. They're not bad. That's just the expectations at Kentucky. Are whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know about that. They're, they're on the bubble. Here's As, my, here's my thing with Kentucky. They're not they're on, on the, the bubble. bubble. They're either freaking in. They're all the way in or they're all the way out. Because if there's a slight chance that they're on a bubble, Kentucky's getting the benefit of the doubt because Big Blue Nation travels the entire state of Kentucky to wherever the hell they got to go. <laughs> so if they're in, if they're either in or they're out. So Kentucky's in the tournament. So I, that's honestly, my I don't I, right as of right now. They're I, on the bubble though. They they have to they they have work to do. Let's put it like that. You're right, TO. I don't think Kentucky's like UCLA, right? Where if there's any doubt. If there's any question, they're going to get put in a playing game. Remember when they put UCLA and Michigan State in the playing game? Just because you need, like, they're they will be put in the tournament if there's any argument to put them in the tournament. Now, that said, CJ Fred, CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves, like those, that's their swing guys. And when yes. I say swing guys, that I mean they're not swing men on the on the wings. They're Swing men for the team, whether they're going to win or they're going to lose. Well, that's because why I'm still. That's why good. I'm still in on them, right? I think we saw Cal in the second half went to that lineup. It, he he started Chris Livingston, right, instead of uh, Antonio Reeves. And Who Livingston kinda, was fine. He was good in the first half, right? In the second half, he comes out, he starts Chris Livingston, and immediately he sees it's not working and makes a sub at like 45 seconds in brings Antonio Reeves in, and they play that lineup for the next 10 minutes. And they're kind of hanging with um, Kansas, and they cut the lead. I think they got it down to two a couple times. But eventually he had to pull C.J. Frederick because, like, if C.J. Frederick's not making shots, like, there's only so long you can leave him out there. So he pulls him, then he goes back to Severe Wheeler. But to, it's it's very clear to me that Cal's accepted that this is what his best lineup is, and this is the lineup that he needs to use. And so I'm in on them, right? There's no shame in losing to a Kansas team at home when when Jalen Wilson makes all the big shots and Jacob Toppin misses them. To me, that's that's what it was, right? Kentucky was right there. Jalen Wilson made three big jumpers down the stretch. Grady Dick made a big jumper. Jake Toppin made some bad decisions. You have yep. guys that have been through the wars versus a guy that has not been through the wars. So I, I'm I'm still in on them. I think they'll find a way to get there. But if the tournament started today, I think the only reason that they're in is because they have the best win in college basketball winning at Tennessee. That's the yeah. only reason that they'd be in the tournament as a right Is that now. the best win in college basketball? I mean, you're I feel on like there the was road one against... this weekend that was huge. Which one was it this weekend? Well, when, the... wait, the best win this season in college basketball? It's either the win, it's either Kentucky at Tennessee, Temple at Houston or Alabama at Houston. Those are the two I was going to the... say Alabama at Houston for me. Yeah, those whatever however you want to whatever you want to call it. Like those are the two best wins in college basketball this season on the road against top two teams in America. So, yep. but Kentucky also lost at home to South Carolina, which by the way, is a quad four loss. Oh my quad God. Quad four loss home to South Carolina. 
It is what it is. I'm still in on Kentucky though. I think they'll get to the tournament, but they gotta they have they have some work. Uh, Can I uh to do. you know, as we start to turn the page ahead, I think that the team nationally that has quietly gone about their business but is set up to have a week where they could win over the national headlines. That team is Hubert Davis in North Carolina. They have had over a week off at this stage of the season. That's a really good thing because I think it allows you to just work on yourselves and get refreshed and get reset. They've won four in a row. They're seven and three in the ACC, which is a solid ACC, a good ACC. They get Pittsburgh at home on Wednesday night. Some would argue look ahead spot because they do have Duke this weekend. I would argue you've had. They better not look ahead on Pitt. I know, I know, but you know how that works. I would argue. I would argue. Nope, you've had eight days to prepare. They'll be more than ready for that game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If they can win that game, they go into the Duke game. I think they're better than Duke by about two, three points on paper. I think the line will be about, you know, UNC by two or something like that. Mm -hmm. It'll be a one possession line either way. However, my point is if North Carolina plays their best, their best is better than Duke. North Carolina could walk out of this week. If they win over Pitt and Duke, they're going to take every every headline. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But this team has played better basketball as of late. And a lot of people were out on them early. But we all could have seen this coming of them flipping on a switch and, and all that. My, my point is, look out for Carolina here this week. They have a chance to, by, by Sunday night on After Dark, where we're saying, yep, they're back to being the team we thought they could be. If they could walk out of Cameron Indoor in the first Shire-Davis showdown, it's going to be interesting Saturday night. Now, how does that go, that first showdown? And let me tell you something. Duke needs a momentum booster. So Duke needs it badly Saturday night, too. Really interested to see how that game goes. Isn't game day going to be there, I think? They're mm-hmm. going, yeah. Game day is going to be there. Uh, if you take away a nine-day stretch at the end of November, beginning of December, this team's 15-2. and two. How about that? How about like, that? Like that, and the two those two losses at Pitt, which turns out that's a not a horrible place to lose because they've been good in conference play, and at Virginia. Other than that, those guys have taken care of business. Besides those nine days at the end of November, so like, and even the losses that they had, like we thought the Iowa State was a bad loss when it happened, right? Well, you yeah. know what? Iowa State's pretty damn good. Yeah, you know, you're losing four overtimes to Alabama. Ain't no shame in that. You lose at Indiana, right? That doesn't look too bad right now. And I and and the worst loss that they have in that entire stretch at Virginia Tech. Well, when it happened, Virginia Tech was a top twenty-five team. Yeah, and when it happened, they had just come off a, a horrible stretch of playing at the PK eighty, then having to go straight from PK eighty to Indiana, and then it's like, man, and then from Indiana to 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 Blacksburg, which is not an easy place to play. 
Exactly. So t- tough all the way around, and they, they had some things to figure out. But now they're going back to Baycott consistently, and it's changed things for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm. I'm. Uh. I'm still. I'm still in on North Carolina. It'll be very interesting to see where they get seated. That's going to be my big question, right? Like, what? How good does this team's does this team's profile actually look? Because if you get kind of into the nitty gritty, like, here's the, here's the really good wins that they have: Ohio State on a neutral, who's lost seven of the last eight. Michigan on a neutral who, you know, kind of whatever they beat Wake Forest at home. They beat NC state at home. Their best road win is Syracuse. Like it's, it's not like this team has an absolutely loaded profile, but it's North Carolina. They're coming off a run to the national title game and they have all these players. So they also have a bunch of games uh, down the stretch that can change some things. I want to ask you guys about the top of the, uh, the ACC. Let's, let's go into that conversation. Then we can get into the big 10 a little bit and then we can kind of wrap this thing up. But um nc state is for real man like those one dj burns might be my favorite player in the country like this dude he's got to be 275 pounds he is yeah. not the quickest he's not the most mobile but like you get the ball he's, he's he gets heavier over, than 275 you're never yeah 75. you're not ne- he's getting to his right shoulder no matter what happens um He's a bucket. He had 22 in the second half against Wake Forest on the road in a comeback win. Jarkel Joyner is a bucket. Baby T is a bucket. Um, Clemson looked best. awesome. Can, like, just for the sake of this, can you please tell why his name is Baby T again? Because I think yeah. it was. <laughs> we had him on After Dark. I love and it we so had him, much. I don't know if you know this, Fanta. We had him on After Dark, and I asked him where the nickname Baby T came from. He goes, because uh, my name's long. It starts with T, and I was a baby once. <laughs> what a great baby. answer I'm, like, I'm, all the, I'm, I'm all the way in on this dude like yes baby t let's go um I, I just the acc is just such a fascinating conference to me this year because if you look at the clemson is still winning games they're still at 10 and 1 to uh yep. uva is still right there i think that they are um not being we're not talking about them at all anymore they're kind of completely off the radar from a national perspective and it's tony bennett and they're 16 and 3 and they're 8 and 2 in the league Pitt's 8 and 3 north carolina 7 and 3 miami just completely melted down at Pitt. in, in frankly again that they should not be losing nc state's good we know what duke is wake forest has been pretty good the team is kind of creeping up and we talked about villanova getting healthy and finding a way like not a team you want to see in march i don't think i want to play florida state in march I don't think I want to see them in the ACC tournament. I feel like I've been beating that point home because I knew they were going to get healthy. I, I, I've I've said because now like they're going to just they just screwed over the teams in the middle of that conference when it comes to the mm-hmm. bubble. Those bubble teams in the middle, like you got to go play at Florida State, guys. That is not an easy place to play. No, and like you go down there and play, it's crazy. They're they're serving beverages. It's one of the few places in that conference that serves beverages on site. And, guys, they go insane. So, like, here's – they have single-handedly kind of screwed over the league because now they're flirting with 500 in conference. And the teams that they're beating in the middle, it's turned into a quad three loss, quad four loss. Like, that's the bad part about it. And now they're healthy. The net sucks. It's that that one's also, not the Nets' fault, okay? That it's one the is Nets the, fault. It's the that, Nets' fault. That the one's Nets, not the Nets' that's fault. That's not the Nets' fault. That's not the, the Nets' fault. The Nets sucks. Fault. I'm not disagreeing. Hey, hey, the uh, DJ Burns, he is basketball versions of William the Fridge Perry. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a walking refrigerator with ballerina feet. That's what he is. 
So, so let me ask you guys this then. Out of all, out of everybody in the the ACC, we I just mentioned like seven or eight teams right there. I I honestly think that NC State is the scariest one if I have to face them in March, right? Yes. Them them in Miami. Great them guys. in Miami for the same reason. For the same reason, they have guards yeah. that can yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Same reason I like Northwestern this year. You have two mm-hmm. league guards that can create something and do something like that throws game plans out of the out of the door because like now like you can you can scout plays all you want but if Isaiah Wong can create something if Traquavius Smith can create something Boo Booey can create something like takes coaching out of the equation like that's the big difference with them yeah the most dangerous team is NC State because of the fact that they just have dudes on any given night who could go for 20 25 30 points right. so you don't know where it's coming from. And they're defensively capable. They're they're a team, like, they've got some dog in them. They really do. NC State plays hard. They play with intensity. They've been a connected group this year, which is the biggest difference for that program. And a very, very critical year for Kevin Keats. You, you tip your cap because they've been able to, to find success. The team that's most positioned to have success in the NCAA tournament, though, is not NC State, and it's not North Carolina. It, to me, it goes back to Virginia. Because Virginia has won six in a row. Virginia has a terrific level of experience. And they are a bitch to play. Because from a principal standpoint, they're just so tough to scout. Uh, their defense is, as always, uh, spectacular. But they're one of only eight teams ranked in Ken Palm adjusted offense and adjusted defense in the top 25 in both those columns. The knock on Virginia has often been they're not great offensively. You know, they're this, they're that. They, to me, um, they've got a good offensive formula. Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, their ability to hit key shots. You know what you're getting from their league guard play. They've got game managers there. They're not going to be turnover prone. And they do have a level of balance, an inside-out approach. I know they're boring. I know you're both looking at your phones. But Virginia... <laughs> I'm playing with my ring. What? I'm paying attention. I'm playing with my ring. Are you handing I'm your... listening. I'm listening. I did, I did answer. I'm not playing with my phone. I'm playing with my ring. I'm listening. To me, to me the, the, the way that the Cavaliers are going, I think they could be a team. I think that Virginia could be a team that makes the final four, and we're all saying, well, this isn't a surprise. We all thought they could be this team. And it's like, yes, we did, but don't let the boring of UVA keep you from understanding just how good they are. I've always thought, and T.O., you tell me you tell me if this is crazy talk. I've always thought the fact that Virginia is boring, right, and the pace that they play at helps them. It it, it kinda, oh, of course. It, it takes you one, it takes you out of any kind of rhythm and any kind of comfort zone. And two, it creates so much pressure because like if you if you miss a shot, you know you're not getting that ball back for another 30 seconds. And you know that if you have an open look and you don't hit it, the next time down, it's gonna be a nightmare to try to get like it plays a little bit of mind games with you, I think, playing against them and playing at that pace. I, I don't know off- if I go ahead. Their offense matches their defense. Yeah. To where like they're gonna bump and grind you the entire possession, and no matter what happens on offense, you have to come back and guard for twenty eight seconds. Mm-hmm. 
no matter what happened. And if they had, you know, a few years ago when they won the national championship, they had Jack Salt tipping that ball out all the time. Yep. And then you'd have to guard another 20 seconds. And it was like miserable. And they're just going to take their time. It's like a running – I could make this comparison. It's like playing against a team that loves to run the football. Like you're not going to get that many possessions, so you have to make those possession count. possessions count. Now, the flip side of that is the reason they got beat by UMBC is because UMBC was like, forget it. I'm just firing. And they can be susceptible to getting beat that way. If somebody gets hot real quick, and it's also not a team that's geared to play from behind. Mm-hmm. That's also a thing that that hurts Virginia in the tournament because one game sample size, somebody can get hot. That's kind of my only counter to what you're saying, Fanta, but you're absolutely right. They have so many different guys. And I, I think Reese Beekman's the least talked about really good player in college basketball. I'm not going to say great, but really good player in college basketball. Yeah, I'm, yeah, he's a pro. My, my only – I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but, but my only concern with this Virginia team is that – you look at the best teams that Tony Bennett has had, and they're just like loaded with pros, you know, like Justin Anderson, and Malcolm Brogdon, and and, um, and Joe Harris, and Anthony Gill, and uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Kyle Guy, and Ty Jerome, like pros and all Americans. And this team is really good, but you don't quite have that level of player. Like you have a bunch of guys that are really good college players that are old, which helps, but it's not, you know, even. People forget about Anthony Gill, right? But that dude has been playing overseas in some of the highest leagues for a long time. Good player. Uh, he, yeah, he was a guy that averaged like 14 and 8. For, like they, they've had really, really high-level players that whether or not they made the NBA, played a long time professionally overseas at a very high level. And I don't know how many of those dudes are on this team, which means that like I, I view them more as a team that's going to win a lot of games in the ACC and that can get a game or two in the in the – NCAA tournament I don't look at this team as one that can make a run deep into March um but you know I've been wrong about shit like they're that. at Syracuse uh tonight hey for the record bet bet it all on on Virginia here because Tony Bennett's found the answer to crack that code he knows how to beat the zone put the point guard in the high post give him the ball there have spread the the guards out two guard front throw it to somebody in the high post spread the guards out have the point guard dribble it back out it forces that center to guard to pull out and to guard uh to guard the big guy and it opens up everything in the paint to guard the point guard. That's what they do. Go back and watch the film. Yep, you're right. Away. But but the last person you saw do that, like he was able to back out and shoot it backing up. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, uh, who can do that on this team for Virginia? Who can dribble the ball backwards, set their feet, and make a three from the top uh, of the I, not a lot of people. Um not a lot I'm of going people. Syracuse tonight. I think Syracuse beats. Wow. All right. If you like being I could, long, like but yeah. I, I think I think the formula with you know Syracuse having individual scores. You know it's gonna be fun when people listen to this and the game's already happened, so that they know which one of us sounds like a complete idiot. <laughs> it's gonna be me. I I'll sound like an idiot, but I'll I'll take this risk because of the styles. And I don't think the guy, the um what's the guy's name that was kind of a Ty Jerome, he could catch it in a high post and like back out. And then shoot. He was he was he was one of the so more tough. underrated players of uh, of recent years. All right, uh, last thing I want to do, and then we can kind of get out of here. I want to talk about Indiana and Illinois a little bit um, because I think that they're kind of both in the same pocket, right? In the sense that we had very high expectations for them coming into the season. They both had a weird run in like December and January. A lot of people jumped off that bandwagon. Now Illinois won six out of seven. 
they just won at was it at Wisconsin on Saturday? Yeah, they won at Wisconsin on Saturday. Matthew Meyer had 26. Well, Indiana has won five in a row. Trace Jackson Davis has been awesome. Jalen Hood Shafino has been even better. And uh, eventually they're going to end up getting Xavier Johnson back. So, Fanta, I'm going to you first. Illinois, Indiana, who are you more in on? Who are you buying more? And am I right to say that both these teams in this moment are uh, are threats to make the second weekend, if not further? Yeah, I'm buying Illinois, even though they got their doors blown off at home by Indiana. I'm buying Illinois' makeup more than I am about how they match up, particularly with Indiana. I thought Illinois just had a really bad night, and you tip your cap to Indiana, who's back in the AP Top 25, which literally just dropped moments ago. The Hoosiers are 21st in the AP Top 25. But for me, Illinois... The reason why I like their upside is because, again, Matthew Meyer has reminded us that he comes from winning. He had 18 in the second half of their win over Wisconsin on Saturday. Career day for Meyer. Terrence Shannon is a lead guard who makes things happen and who seems to be understanding what Brad Underwood's requiring from him, not every two or three games, but every time out. Coleman Hawkins has gotten better. He's been criticized, right? But Coleman Hawkins, to me, has gotten better as a player, has developed a perimeter shot that that falls and, and or, opens up a new More dimension. consistent, too. Like, the highs are still there, but you don't have the big valleys. Like, he's he's his bad games are not quite as bad as they were, right? There no. Are time, what, what's, what's Humble's line, T.O.? Directional, Directional schools? schools. Directional schools. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? I'm going to give him credit. Dane Danger to me when he's on – also gives them a, an interesting presence. So for me, and, and I like their freshmen. I mean, I I, I think that Jaden Epps is a guy that, that kind of serves as an X factor from time to time. I like their makeup, and they're they're good defensively. They're 18th in Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency, and as I look here, that's just one slot behind Purdue, who's currently 17th, which is a big reason why Purdue's number one. I really like Jaden Epps. I, really I like Jaden Epps a lot. I mean, he, he stepped up for them. He makes plays for them. He's beyond his years. He is not your typical freshman. So yeah. I go with Illinois. I'm going with with the Illini. Uh, Jaden Epps was he was a team loaded kid out of Virginia. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. him play several times uh, in high school on the circuit, and it was like anytime his team needed a big bucket, and that was a really good. They had a really nice team. Uh, every time his team needed a big bucket, he just found a way. And it was just, God, it was annoying. I, I didn't know what to expect from him this season. And it's like, he's kind of, he's kind of taken over that, that kind of point guard role where there's like a stabilizing presence when he's out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, it absolutely he, does. He's, absolutely he's, does. he's better defensively than Sky Clark was. I think he's more of a, uh, like he's more capable of kind of like, okay, we got to get the ball over here. We got to get the ball over here. We have Terrence Shane who can play make. We have Coleman Hawkins to play. Like, I don't have to do too much. I just kind of have to be out here. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. Make an occasional open shot. Um, do what coach wants me to do and make sure the ball gets where it needs to be. Cause I mean, Dane Danger, Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, like sincere hair. Like they got guys that can go get you a bucket. Right. Yeah. Whereas Jaden just kind of has to, be there does that make sense yeah yeah you need ball movers mm-hmm. like if all five can't score like you gotta have somebody that's willing to get up there and get rid of it uh, that's a big thing too he's he's a nice player i like uh 
Indiana's playing with a ruggedness over the past five games. Uh, and believe it or not, it's been this shit-talking Northwestern transfer, Miller Cop, that I thought changed it for them a little bit. Because when they played Michigan State, it, he got a little chippy. And it was like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. I'm 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 here all day and you I could dude I could just hear his corny trash talk I can just hear it you know how you play against that guy that just says weird stuff in the trash talk and he thinks he's tough like I could just hear Miller Cop and what he's saying on the floor and it doesn't drive me crazy but it also makes me cringe a little bit because I guarantee you he's saying some things that are just like oh, that was kind of lame but it was kind of awesome because he's on my team <laughs> and now my guys are fired up <laughs> like it, I could just see that uh Jalen Hood Shafino uh, Hood Shafino's I mean, guys, come on. Like, if, if, huh? Special talent. Yeah, special guy, big, strong body. Uh, they've they've found out ways to be tougher than the opponent. They've got guys that are shooting above 40 now. So now that floor spacing out a little bit more for Trace Jackson Davis. You have Tamar Bates, Hood Shafino, and Miller Cop out on the floor. That's like 41, 42, and 43%. I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't think I got the order right, but – Better. Points, points, the, the, points the stand. The numbers, the num, the exact numbers don't matter. What matters is you have four guys that you have to run off the three point line. That's right. And if you have, if you have those guys, you have to run off the three. I'm sorry, three guys, you have to run off the three point line. And if you have three dudes, you have to run off the three point line. All of a sudden, you basically have that. Just everything in the paint opens up, which makes it that much more difficult to send two people at trace. Which makes it that much more difficult to keep him from getting to his right shoulder. Which makes it that much more difficult to keep him from dunking on your fucking face. Because that's what he does so well these days. That's what he that does. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. I have I have a question for you guys. Matt McCall brought this up Saturday on After Dark. And I think it's going to be the key to Indiana's season. Um, if and when Xavier Johnson returns, right? You suddenly have a situation where this dude that came in as like an all Big Ten kind of a point guard, guy that was one of the best players in the Big Ten over the course of the last three weeks, month of the season. And He's coming back to a team that has kind of figured out what they do without him, right? Jalen Huchifino has kind of embraced this point guard role. I didn't know he had it in him quite to this level. He very clearly does. Um, how does does this change the dynamic if and when he comes back? I don't even know if he's going to come back because if you got a broken foot, right, and you're yeah. trying to recover from the broken foot, maybe you don't want to come back when you're not 100% healthy. If you're trying to keep your draft stock or I don't think he has draft stock, your professional stock high enough, like maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe you don't want to risk it, but. If he does, how do you incorporate him, T.O., without ruining the dynamic of what you have going right now? Because he's bring him off the bench. Okay, does that ruin? Like, does that mess with what you like? Is he? I guess you probably have to know the kid. Is he moody because of that? Yeah, probably. I don't. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? (laughs) Just say this is what it is. Do you then? If that's a if that's a risk, do you want to bring him back? Or do you just say, look, you were great. Well, yeah, you want to bring him back because he brings value. Yeah, he does. And, and keep in mind, too, like best case scenario, he's coming back from broken foot. What's he going to play the last four games of the season? Hey, dude, like this is where you're best. This is where you can help us right now. And if you have a monster game off the bench, it shows teams at the next level or whatever you're going to go next, like you're willing to embrace a role. So you have to like you have to word it correctly. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you're talking to certain guys, you word it correctly. Like, hey, man. Our team is rolling. You can be a spark plug for us off the bench. You can come in. You can run some pick and rolls and play with a lot of pace and really fast, but you're only going to do it for 10 to 15 minutes because, one, we're trying to protect your foot. True. Two, we we are really rolling as a unit, 
at that starting spot right now. Also true. And three, like we want you to understand, like next level, you're playing a role. Semi true. So like, it's like, you have to, you're going to have to sell it kind of, you know, like uh Cooley sold Bynum on coming off the bench last year. You got to sell it. But at the same time, that's where he can provide value. And you just say, Hey, th- this is what's going to happen. That's just what's going to happen. You can either be pissy about it or you can, or you can be great in your role. You I think it decide, also says a lot it's like on if you. He, if he throws a tantrum and doesn't end up playing, like I think that probably says a lot to NBA teams as well. Exactly. Right? A la Nick Smith. I, well, probably more like EuroLeague teams. Um, maybe yeah. uh, maybe second division in Spain teams. No, no, no. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll, get, a good, he'll get a good job. Yeah, he's good. He's a player. Uh, a he'll, he'll, because he, he provides value at that one spot. That The one in, in Europe. I'm sorry, Dave. I know you're trying to close out the show. The one in the no. five spot at the European level, you're going to get shots immediately. The one's position and the five position, you're getting you're getting a lot of leeway. The two, three, four, they feel like they got people in their own country that can handle those spots. Decision maker, ball handler, pressure defensively, uh, rim protecting big, alley oop big. That's what they feel like they don't have. Manson, was that a Monday Miller light? Oh no, Sprite Zero. Ah, uh, I was. I thought that was a Miller Light for a second. Like, awesome. One, one, we don't have any of the Miller brothers on the show, so that doesn't it doesn't exactly fit. And two, it's it's Monday. Well, I guess it is afternoon technically. So it's Monday afternoon, and the Bengals lost, so you have a reason to celebrate. Well, that's true. <laughs> God, that's it looked true. miserable, didn't it? How the cold Andy that Reed was. Bowl. The Andy Reid Bowl is set. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty excited for it. I am your son, too. Your son is going to be able to talk shit the entire summer, Doster. I don't care. Look, look I, I, I don't care enough about the NFL to not like enjoy. Like, if he's going to be all in on this Super Bowl, I'm going to fucking enjoy it. I might even go buy an Eagle shirt. Why, like, why not? It's way more fun. Like, I, I don't care about baseball. I'm, I'm a Phillies fan now because my son's a Phillies fan and he's all into it. So, like, why not? That's that's part that that's like ninety percent of the best part about being a dad is being able to experience those moments with your kid. Am I right? No, crazy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Who are you a fan of now? Because of your son, Tennessee. Hey, like, yeah. Well, who who was he all into in, in football? Christian season? McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you have your Panthers jersey or what? 49ers. He, oh, 40, he, yeah, we we got we got rid of his. Did uh, <laughs> that poor Carolina Panthers jersey? He's had it for like two years, so all the numbers are coming off. But a good friend of ours, Greg Kutu, bought uh, my son Damon as soon as McCaffrey got traded because my son had a meltdown. Yeah, <laughs> when he got traded, my son had an absolute meltdown. So they sent him a forty nine. Uh, Greg Kutu sent him a forty ers jersey, which was awesome. So he's is he a forty ers fan? He is now. My man Damon, I knew I liked him. That's right. The one Oglesby. <laughs> it, it's funny, you know. I like now. I like your wife more than you. I like your son more than you. Are That's you the, typically how it goes when people meet my family. Are you they fourth like on the Kempom rankings of the Oglesby's? Huh? Are you fourth on the Kempom rankings? No, maybe fifth because Lena. Lena's way above you too. The sixth because we got Buster. Yeah. And what's your brother's people, name? Huh? What's your brother's name? Paxton, seventh. Seventh. Yeah. So you're you're way down that list, man. You're the I'm Texas the Tech bottom. of Oglesby's. Those damn net rankings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen. All right. This has been fun. We've been here for an hour. Um, I could probably spend another hour bullshitting with you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But as always, field of 68shop Go check out our merch. 
Field of 68 After Dark, 11 p.m., Sirius XM, Channel 84. Also streaming live on YouTube. Jump in the chat. That's where we have the uh, the most fun in the afters. And the Field of 68 Daily. Link in the description. Subscribe every morning at 8.30 a.m. Catch up on everything college basketball. For John Fanta, for number seven, Terrence Oglesby. My name is Rob Balfour. <laughs> See you guys again next Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.